Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. My name is Chris. He is Craig. This is Bucks in the Basement. 30 minutes of Pirates talk for fans, by fans. And my friend, uh, not going to get into the Pirates right away. I, I want to get into the uh, the Marlins. That is the uh, the T-ball team that my son plays on. What's the name of your uh, your son's T-ball team? Kip's Ice Cream. Right. <laughs> It doesn't even have like a like a team name. You're playing in a league where no, it's... none of the te- none of the even my son who plays in the minor league, his name of his team is KC Cleaners. <laughs> I like that. I actually like that better. Even though like my kid gets like a my kid has a brand new Marlins hat. Like it it it's the pro Marlins hat. Like the league went out and bought it for him. I was like, that's crazy. He gets a he gets a real hat. Kind of disappointed. Like he didn't get a team that I I root for. But I mean, it was it. I, that's what he has. It's like herding cats. You're you're coaching, aren't you? I'm coaching T-ball. Yeah, I coach the. T- I don't coach the minor league team. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm one of the assistant coaches for for the uh, the T-ball. Uh-huh. My little five year old. And you're talking about herding cats, man. It. I I spent two hours running around on a field, probably more than the kids did. To not make a single play, to not make a single throw, and at the end of each inning, whoever's up last gets a home run. Right, and everybody cheers for them. And and the grandparents and the parents are sitting at the edge of the infield because maybe two balls made it out of the infield the entire game. Man, it was awesome. I loved it, but it was also just also infuriating at the same time. Well, here's the thing: like I have two older kids, so one sixteen. She played softball all the way up into high school, and she would have played high school softball, except the team that she would have made was canceled due to COVID, and then she just found other things she was into. Like that was that's how her her softball career ended because of COVID. Uh, and then my son, he he fell in love with hockey, so we only played a little bit of little league, and then he got out of it. But I I coached my daughter, and I've always coached like a you know one or two of each one of their teams. I always do this. I've coached all three of them at some point in T-ball. And last year, because my son's six, so he was in T-ball last year as well. Last year was my last time that I'm ever coaching the small kids again. Like, I hadn't done it in a long time because my other kids had gotten older. And I went back to the smaller kids, and I just was like, this is this is impossible. It's impossible. And, and it's not the kids. It's the parents. It's It's the people that, you know, the ones that drive me the craziest are the ones that drop their kids off for the T-ball game and then think that I, a volunteer, am now going to watch all 12 of them like a babysitter while they go and stand off to the side. <laughs> I, had a, I, had a, I had a kid crying on pitcher's mound that he wanted his mom, so I had to, like, wave my wife down, point to his mom, and, like, have her, like, 
come to the field. Like it was like I I was just like I felt so bad for the kid, and he actually just wanted the ball hit to him. So I'll tell all any kid once. Little girl today comes up first batter, first batter comes up, hits the ball off the tee, runs towards first base, and can't see it. She can't find it. Right. So she just kind of runs around it and in total confusion now runs out into right field, comes around and heads in the general direction of second base. Now I'm down to third base line with a lot of the parents kind of watching this happen. And as she rounds second to head to third, where she should have just stopped at first, everybody's like, oh, come on, sweetheart, uh, you're going to go back here, blah, blah, blah. She's bawling her eyes out. I've never seen somebody get a hit (laughs) and cry hysterically in my life ever before. And just running around the bases, just bawling her eyes out as she's running around. And, and you know, I'm telling you, I, hats off to you for coaching it. But I have been hit in the thigh too many times while putting the ball on the tee by an over-anxious uh, five- or uh, six-year-old that I will never do T-ball again. Never. I, I only want the older kids at this point. I would. I, I did it. I tried to go back in with the younger kids, Craig. I did it last year. I was miserable. I had bruises on me. I was exhausted. I was uh, just annoyed by the fact that there'd just be so many people that could just very easily like stand there and help me out. It would just sit there and watch and it would just drive me insane. I was like, I'm done. And I, I'm just going to stand off to the side now. Let the young guys do it. I'm too old for it at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm old too, brother, but it was only the first time. So talk to me again here in about a month. We'll see how we're doing. Listen, too old for it. I'm done. I, I, I had to groan every time I would give it, mean, you know, halfway through the season, it turns in the coach pitch. That's the worst. Then you're just trying to, a kid is just swinging blindly and you're trying to aim the ball just so you can hit his bat with the ball while you're on like one knee. It's brutal. Just brutal. You were out there for two hours. I know we're going to get to the Pirates. That's ridiculous. In the league that I've got my kid in, there's an hour time limit. They play two innings and then they're done. Two hours? That's crazy. It's T-ball. They're not even keeping score. Two hours. They have two hours laid out for every T-ball game and every modified T-ball game and every minor league baseball game. Once you get to little league, it's the first time. It's not time. They want they want people to get their money's worth. Two hours. What? Who are these psychos that run your league? Somebody somebody needs to give them a stern (laughs) talking to. They're five and six years old. They're hitting off a tee, and the score doesn't count. Two hours. Unbelievable. All right. Let's talk about the Pirates. 500 as we sit here and, we, uh, and we're chatting. And uh, not, not a bad start to the season. And, and a couple of guys playing uh, fairly well. And uh, the pitching is very spotty. Uh, Zach Thompson, after I sat down uh, on the last episode and talked about how I had a lot of confidence in him and he was on my fantasy baseball team, I dropped him because he was terrible this past week. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's the last time I ever speak up for you, Zach. So he got dropped off my fantasy team and I don't know how long he lasts in this rotation. Yeah, Chris, because I mean, the thing I pointed out to you before uh, we started the show here and we were talking about it, uh, the Pirates starters in the first two innings of ball games have allowed 41 runs over 16 innings. And that's with, you know, quote unquote, quality starts from Jose Quintana and and Mitch Keller mixed in there. So it, it definitely has not been good. Uh, Shelton has talked about using possibly an opener or something at, at some point in time. But but then the other thing you suggested, Chris, we were talking about Rowanzi Contreras last week. And as soon as we get done talking about old Rowanzi, they're like, you know what? We're going to option him down, select the contract of Chase D. Young, and we're going to designate 
Luis Oviedo, who we protected in Rule 5 all last season. And we're just going to kind of, I mean, it's not that he's definitely gone, but you saved a guy for an entire season just to designate him for assignment like two weeks into the season. It's kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah, it's it's just very goofy. And and like I said, the Pirates starting pitching, if it wasn't for Will Crow, and I w- if you would have told me I was saying this before the season started, if it wasn't for Will Crow, Dylan Peters, Anthony Bonda, and Heath Hembry, I mean, we would probably have at least three to four more losses on the season because of the the bullpen and how well they've been performing. And we talked about it last week, Chris, is how long can they realistically keep this up? And if you have starting pitchers that once again, other than, you know, a couple of starts where guys going, you know, five, six innings or, you know, just getting absolutely shelled like Thompson and then following it up with a shelling by Yahoo Ray, then, you know, that kind of saved the the bullpen to a degree because then you got to use, you know, position players for pitching because you you were out of the game. But that's where I worry again, just like last year, is like how long can the bullpen continue to do this? When, you know, Crow, I know he was built up as a starter, but, you know, going a couple times a week, three innings here and there, I... You know, Bednar got through a, st- a sticky situation, and he's been performing really well. Uh, Stratton's, you know, done a little bit better, but I, I always think I'm just like, you know, we're going to start cycling in, and we're seeing it now. We're seeing it with Chase DeYoung, you know, coming up. Selecting the contract of of Bo, of Bo Sulcer, a guy who I liked in Altoona a couple years ago, but he's just kind of like another arm, so we're like starting to cycle through arms again. And that's another weird thing. They bring up Anthony Alford, and then they DFA him like a couple days later. Like I, I and I don't know, Chris. Like it's just a lot of weird stuff going on here. I'm happy to be eight and eight. I was I'll, I was happy to be twelve and ten last year at the one point in time. It's just my mind always goes to like how can this continue and how can you build upon it? And it kind of seems like that at some point in time, this house of cards is is going to, you know, falter to a degree. And I don't know where it's going to stop. Well, here's the thing. They they have to find starting pitching and they haven't had a starting pitcher that's done anything in my mind out of any one of the five that makes me think that consistently they're going to 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 be good this year. I mean, every every one of these guys, I mean, I know it's only three games for Quintana, Keller, Wilson and Thompson, and it's four games for Brubaker in terms of the outings that they've had. But their their whip, their walks and hits per innings pitch, the amount of guys being put on base by these starters is insane. 1.63, that's the amount of base runners per inning that JT Brubaker is putting on. 1.5 is Quintana. 1.692 is Keller. 1.765 is Bryce Wilson. 2.70 2.70 is Zach Thompson after I said that I really liked him. Thanks a lot, Zach. Uh, great job. <laughs> put, put, I'm going to put you on a rocket to space after that one. Okay, I mean, look, it looks terrible right now because, and here's the thing, like I noted early on, guys 
might have a bad outing and stats are skewed early on in the season, but just look at, look at Brubaker right, right off the top. Okay. JT Brubaker, he did not improve metrically in terms of the amount of guys he was putting on base over his last couple starts. It's been consistently several guys, pretty much every inning reaching first or beyond. And when you're putting on base runners, you're going to have a lot of trouble. He only lasted three innings in his last start. I mean, that, that is, I think, the scariest thing for Pirates fans is the starting pitching because you are never going to take another step in the rebuild in, until you have actual pitchers. Until you have a guy, not a guy, you need two or three that can go out there and pitch quality starts. And a quality start is six innings and not giving up more than three runs. I mean, and I always thought that that was kind of a silly metric. If a guy went out and and every time he pitched, he went six innings and he gave up three runs, his ERA would be 4.50. And Major League Baseball considers that to be a quality start. We can't even get to that. We don't have that yeah. anywhere in this rotation. And, and that's the frightening thing because whatever else is happening on the field, whatever else is happening with guys getting DFA'd or added to the roster this guy's becoming a starter and this guy's moving to the bench and we're going to try this guy out here. If they don't figure out the starting pitching thing, they're never going anywhere. And that's a real issue. And and it'll be, I'm very, very curious as to whether or not they're going to get closer and closer and eventually fall into how the Tampa Bay Rays do things with the opener and then the set long reliever just to try to find a way to maximize what they have because traditional ways of sending out starters. I, I, where are the five starters of the future? Like right now, right now, give me the three starters in your mind. I, I just like three guys in your mind that you're sitting there saying, okay, in two years, these guys are going to be one of the top four starters on our team. Assuming you go out and like pick up a guy in free agency. Where are the three guys in your organization right now that you believe can give you quality starts and maybe rank somewhere in the one, two, or three spot in your rotation when this team's ready to be competitive? Uh, Rowanzi Contreras. Is that it? You're waiting for Priester then, right? Yeah. And you don't even know if that's going to work out. No. And that's frightening. Yeah, and that's where the scary thing comes in with this is that, like you said, Chris, it's, I mean, unless you can do exactly what the Rays are doing and the way they've been able to maximize pitching... It's, and they've been the only team that's been able to do that consistently. I mean, other teams have tried, you know, the openers and and different stuff. For right now, I feel like that would almost just be like a band aid. It's like to get us through the season to to get to you know Will Crow if he continues to pitch the way he's pitching, Dylan Peters to pitch the way he's pitching, and and like I said, it's crazy that I'm even saying that to like get to those guys. But, but that's kind of like the point that we're at right now is like you need to patchwork things together so that you can get to your bullpen while not taxing your bullpen. It's it's like a balancing act that they're doing right now and they're not doing a very good job. And I understand like we talked about in the offseason about what they were doing to go out and get a Zach Thompson, you know, in the trade you know, a guy who may be blossoming early, who didn't really stick with the White Sox, but kind of came out with the Marlins. Bryce Wilson, who didn't get a shot, you know, a full shot in Atlanta. And we got him, like, on the absolute cheap by giving them Richard Rodriguez after the 
the sticky stuff had gone away and he wasn't even going to be that great of a pitcher anymore. So I, I understand this type of stuff. You know, Mitch Keller, what we saw during the offseason. Unfortunately, JT Brubaker looking like he's more like the second half JT Brubaker than the first half. But it's where we go back to, like, where before we started the season that, you know, the biggest fear when we were talking to Mike Piersack the one time and when we had conversations about this is to be able to to get through this season and not have any more answers, especially as far as the starting pitching is concerned, than we did at the beginning of the season. And, and if Rowanzi Contreras becomes your only answer, you know, a guaranteed answer by the end of this season, which we don't even know how much he's going to pitch before then, there still may be like some minor question marks with him. But if you only have one answer and you have Quinn Priester and Carmen Majinski, you know, struggling in Altoona, I mean, Quinn Priester has been hurt for the beginning of this year. Majinski has struggled in double A. And then beyond that, you're like looking towards your guys in, you know, Greensboro again, like you were last year. Like that's not where we can be at the end of this year if this rebuild is going to go anywhere. You better have, you know, a couple guys up in triple A to support Rowanzi. You better hope that Mitch Keller's one quality start turns into him being at least like a you know, a serviceable starter within this rotation. Because, I mean, if not, there's no way the Pirates are going out and buying like three arms to, to cinch together this rebuild. No, I mean, there's and, just and, no way. And that's why my biggest fear is that if you get to a point where Contreras is the only pitcher that comes out of 2022. And we don't even know if that's going to happen. I mean, is he down there because they want to stretch him out because they want to bring him back and put him in the rotation? So they're like, let's get him up to where he's pitching five, six innings consistently and then bring him back. That might that might make sense as to what they're doing right now because they realize that he's going to go into that rotation sooner rather than later. Because at the end of the year, if that's all you've got, and you don't even know if you've got it, that, that's wishful thinking right now. Nothing's proven with him, okay? If that's all you got, then there is a real possibility that a guy who has not signed a long-term deal with you in Brian Reynolds, who is coveted by teams right now, is a piece you have to move to pick up young pitchers that you can bring in over the next year or so and start in this rotation because this team cannot go out and sign four free agents. They're not that team. They don't have that budget. They're not going to do it, you know? Or it, you're getting to a point where you're going to get into like an off season when you're ready to go do this, and it's going to be how many guys are we going to take a shot on, and and give you know three to five million dollars that are middle tier pitchers that we you know, and and maybe a couple of them work out. But I I really think that that Brian Reynolds is gone if they can't get more pitching because he becomes the only way for you to get pitching. I really believe that man. I'm sorry, but I, I he's going to bring you something. He's going to bring you a guy to be a high-end starter off of a team that has way too much depth. Like, the, if you look at the Braves, the Braves have a ridiculous amount of depth. They're sending guys up and down right now that would be in the Pirates rotation right now. Okay? There are teams that have trade pieces that are pitchers, that are starting pitcher capable, and pitching is already a premium. What do the Pirates have that's a big enough chip that can bring back something big? Right now, in my mind, it's only Brian Reynolds. Yeah. 
you know, that's what's riding on them finding pitching because then, then you either keep Reynolds and your team basically goes nowhere because you can't find any starting pitching or event, or you have to move Reynolds and then you you're upset because you had to move on from him. But you look at your prospect list and you say, okay, but I've got Cruz and we like Nick Gonzalez in the long term. Okay. And you know, we think Andy Rodriguez and we've heard so much about him from folks that you've had on who have covered him down the minors. We think he's going to be a good player. And you start adding up the guys with a bat who can play the field that you have more confidence in than the pitchers. And you can convince yourself very quickly that if you can't find any pitchers this year that are parts mainstays in your rotation going forward over the next couple of years, that Brian Reynolds is on the block legitimately to bring back pitching if he can. Yeah, and and Brian Reynolds, in my mind, I – I was somebody who's going to bring up uh, tonight, and I need you to talk me off a ledge with him a little bit because I, I don't know if you've seen Brian Reynolds over the last six games. He looks like twenty twenty Brian Reynolds. Over Everybody these has last a bad six week. Games. Everybody has a bad week. Everybody. I has don't know, a bad man. Week. He just he just does not look like himself. We're celebrating a triple that's hit at the lowest velocity exit velocity of like any triple like in the history of the Statcast era. He just, I don't know. He just, I, he needs, he needs to come home. Uh, maybe spend a night with his wife and kid. His wife who's pregnant now again. Oh my God, that's what happened last time. I didn't know that. Is that really happening? Remember 2020? 2020, she was pregnant. He went into the dumps. Yeah. And we were talking about that. Like, what a weird coincidence. His wife gets pregnant. Maybe it's the first baby. You know, COVID's going on. It's a it's a frightening time. Who knows what kind of stresses he's going through. And then he comes out and he's great the next year. Is this really a thing? Like, I'm concerned about this. No, they, look, I'm not going to overreact to Brian Reynolds having a, a rough start to the season. Baseball is littered with guys right now that are going to be in the All-Star game that are hitting 190. There, there's all kinds of really good ball players out there that have not started warming up yet. And I'm not worried about it this early in the season. We, we haven't even hit May. Okay. I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. If uh, Brian Reynolds is not, who, who's got him in fantasy baseball, I'll trade right now for him. Okay. Cause he's going to have a good year. I'm not worried about him, Craig. I think, I think you're nervous because you see the beginning. Of, look, I mean, there are teams. <laughs> gosh, I mean, look, look at look at the the story of last week. The Chicago White Sox, who people think, I mean, like they're an odds-on favorite in some sports books to win the American League pennant. They went 0-7 on a road trip, and like their team, the majority of their players are hitting below 200. They're all off the horrible offensive starts. Do you really believe that's going to last? No. So, I mean, like, to look at another team. Like, find another really good baseball player that you really believe in, okay? And then ask yourself, you know, do I think that guy is just all of a sudden falling off a cliff? And you would say, no. The only reason you think Brian Reynolds is falling off a cliff is because you're a fan of Brian Reynolds. He's so important to this franchise, whether or not he's going to be a long-term player on your team, or like I said, he's going to have to bring something back for you when, when if something goes wrong here in the rebuild plan, he's so important to you, and you're looking at it and you're going, oh no, he's broken. I don't think he's broken. I'm not worried about him. I'm not, okay? Now, if he doesn't get a lot of sleep, look, my wife, when she was pregnant, okay, she took up the whole bed, man. She took up the whole bed, she squirmed, she moved, she woke up like every hour, she had rough pregnancies every time, I got no sleep, it was misery, all right? If that's the case, get him a hotel room, all right? If that's the case, 
Somebody set up some place for him to live in another part of the house so he can get some rest before the game. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the case is. I'm not going to besmirch him or her. I, my, I'm telling you, every one of these kids brought nothing but headaches throughout the entire pregnancy. I was always exhausted. I put on weight. I, was, I, I had no energy. I might as well have been carrying him around because I wasn't getting any sleep. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's happening. I have no clue. Or it's just early in the season and he hasn't gotten going yet. I mean, remember, there was a lockout. Spring training was shortened. There's a lot of guys who are not off the good starts in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and it was something that we were kind of worried about pitching-wise, hitting-wise, I mean, and everything-wise. And, and for the most part, you know, the Pirates have, they've been able to piece it together. Craig, I'm looking here. I, the moment you start talking about Brian Reynolds, I wanted to look, and I wanted to give you some good examples. Ketel Marte. He's a second baseman, also plays center field for Arizona. He's hitting 167 right now. He's slugging 250 early in the season through 60 at-bats. Is he going to stay that way? No, he's not going to stay that way. Bo Bichette, 69 at-bats to start off the season, is hitting 217 with a 290 slugging. Is he going to stay that way? Not a chance he's not going to stay that way. Luis Robert, 44 at-bats, Hurt himself, supposed to be back this week, hitting 204 the kickoff the season and a 222 on base percentage. There are people who are talking about that he he could be a sneaky candidate for MVP this year. Is he going to stay that way? No. Trevor Story got signed by Boston. He was one of the big free agent pickups. He's hitting 234 to start the year off. All right? I mean, look, it is very easy to look at one of your favorite players and go, what is wrong with him early in the season? It's early in the season. Yuli Gurriel, first baseman for Houston. I'm just flipping through names here. Hitting 213 to start off the year. This is a guy who habitually hits like 290 and slugs. His OBP is generally in the 900s. Right now it's sitting in the 500s. Is he going to do that all year? I don't think so. So really, get yourself off the Brian Reynolds ledge and, and call me when we get to June 1st. If he's still there on June 1st, then we can start panicking. I, I, I will stop panicking for right now. And like I said, I will... Enjoy us being eight and eight. I will enjoy, you know, the even though the lineups don't always look the way I want them to look. You know what? If Shelton wants to put Vogel back, hit him first. You know what? He's been one of the best hitters on the team. The guy gets on base. He's he's hit home runs like he's kind of supposed to hit home runs, as opposed to Yoshi, who we mentioned last week, and still has hasn't hit for power. So I mean. There's there's some things I believe to be, you know, fairly excited about with this team. Cabrian Hayes hitting, you know, staying healthy. Um, like I said, coming off of the worst loss in franchise history, 21 to nothing. And then, you know, having a bounce back win, you know, in Chicago after a rain delay. We're beating the teams right now that we should be beating. We took three or four from the Nationals. We took three or four from the Cubs. We got swept by the Brewers, who we're playing, you know, starting tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, that's going to be Tuesday. And then we play the Padres, who, you know, are supposed to have a fairly good team. So, I mean, for right now, beat the teams that you're supposed to and hopefully start to stack up better against the teams who will be at the top of their divisions like the Brewers. And even with the Brewers, it wasn't like that we got absolutely crushed out of Milwaukee. We were in some of those games. So, I mean, I, I'm actually happy, other than the starting pitching that we harped on, Chris, for the longest part of this, 
I'm kind of like okay with the way that the rest of the team is looking. How about this? I got a bet for you. Okay. I'll bet you come up with whatever you want, case of beer, whatever like that. June 1st, Daniel Volgobeck is currently hitting 311 through 50 plate appearances. Brian Reynolds is hitting 190 through 64 plate appearances. June 1st, Brian Reynolds will have a higher batting average. You want to take that bet? Oh, man. I'm t- I, this is your problem. You, you're an overreactive fan. You're an overreactive fan. Your guy comes out of the gate and his 64 plate appearances doesn't start lighting it up right away. And you're like, oh, Brian Reynolds is cooked. Daniel Vogelbeck, he's going he's gonna to outperform hit the back of his baseball card because he's never done what he's doing right now. Yeah. And you, and you, but you hesitated. You still haven't said, you, you know, because I'm telling you right now, there's no way Brian Reynolds isn't going to finish the year. There's no way Brian Reynolds goes into June and he's not hitting better than what Vogelbeck has done through the first couple of months. No way. No way. I believe, I believe wholeheartedly Brian Reynolds is not in trouble. I just, like I said, Chris, it, and that's where like, I, I sometimes I, I need to take the fan hat off and, and it's hard to. I mean, especially when you said, like, so much is relying on what Reynolds is doing, you know, what Cabrian Hayes does. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I live and die with every pitch that Mitch Keller throws, but... You'll be dead a lot if you live and die off of Mitch Keller's pitches. Yeah, but I mean, before every game, I'm kind of sitting there going, my God, can, can we just get another good start from Mitch Keller? Because, I mean, I feel like that there's so many of these things that are, you know, important to the rebuild. I'm looking down at O'Neill Cruz, you know, hitting 204 with like a 35% strikeout rate in AAA and thinking, oh my God, like, is he broken? Like, I know he's not a bust, but it, it's just the things I just start to think of. I look down to AA and I see Nick Gonzalez hitting around like 200 and I'm like, God, this guy's supposed to be like part of the future. And and I feel like people are panicking like on, you know, the whole rebuild and it's different April. stuff. It's April. It's April. There was a lockout. It's April. Relax. Please. Please. Okay? Please. Here, you want to have something positive? I'll give you something positive. Mitch Keller's got a 6.23 earned run average. His fielding independent pitching is below a 4. There's a positive thing right there. All right? I'd like to see his whip get lower, but there's, there's some positivity there. That if it weren't for the defense that was behind him, what that means is if it weren't for the defense that was behind him, he would have an ERA below four right now. He would be your clear-cut best pitcher out of the five. Who do you want to be the best out of all five pitchers? What would you expect if this rebuild was going right? It'd be Mitch Keller. So hang your hat on the little things and give it a month or so to sort itself out. I'm telling you, June 1st, Mitch Keller's terrible, and Brian Reynolds is hitting under the Mendoza line. Pitchforks and torches, man. I'll be right there with you, okay? Everything's going to hell, all right? But right now, I can't do it. We haven't even hit May yet, and we we didn't even get a full spring training. And it's not like Brian Reynolds has a ton of protection in the lineup around him, all right? I mean, if you're an opposing pitcher, you're concentrating when you come up and, and you face him. It's not like you're facing murderer's row when you come up against the Pirates. So pitchers are are very highly prepared for him. That's what's extraordinary about what he does. Uh, generally, it's extraordinary about what Cabrian Hayes does because opposing pitchers don't really probably prepare for the majority of the players in the Pittsburgh lineup, but they know exactly what the tendencies of Hayes and Reynolds are. 
and they, and and they, and they don't get lost. They're they're being focused on every time that they come up to the plate. So I'm I'm not worried about them yet. Yeah, and I and I really shouldn't be either. Right now, I mean, Ben Sherrington's got to make another, you know, two more goofy moves because the uh, the rosters by the next time we record, Chris, I think the rosters are going down to 26. So bye bye to two pitchers who have not been pitching well on the roster at that point in time. I think we have 15 pitchers, 13 position players. That's got to go down to 13 pitchers by May 1st. So Keith Hembry, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying Miguel Yahoo at this point in time. He's He's probably an option. He's got an option. So he's probably getting an option down. And and if I had to guess, uh, you know, whoever else, uh, you could pick another pitcher that has an option. You know they're going down as well. It's it's not really. I don't even know if options really matter at this point to Ben Charrington. He's DFAing people left and right. Okay, he drops so many people out there into the player pool. He don't care. Most people don't want what the Pirates have when the Pirates release it. You think there's teams sitting around looking for the scraps that come off the Pirates? Who's that desperate? I mean, maybe the Orioles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I see the change.